hard to believe we're, we're in the tail end or middle of summer, uh, almost moving towards the end of summer. Fall is, is not too far behind. Um, and it's, it looks like it'll be an exciting fall. We've got a lot of things coming up uh, down the pipe, so to speak. Small groups are coming back. Um, Alpha is coming back. And so uh, and a couple other things are coming back. We actually started talking about the Christmas party. How's that for a scary, uh, a scary thought? Um, over the summer, though, we've been kind of talking about what it looks like to restart the church. You know, coming out of COVID, um, for many churches, including our own, it, it was difficult. And this feels like the season of, of new beginnings, of restart. And so we started talking about a rhythm that we really, really feel the Lord wants to begin to instill in our church. Um, we spent the month of June kind of looking at what that rhythm would look like for our lives and for the life of this church. We called it MG3. Um, there were four words to it. The first one was meet. Uh, we talked about uh, or asked the question, how are you meeting with Jesus today? What are you doing today to meet with Jesus? Uh, your prayer life, uh, your uh, devotional life, uh, what have you. How is that happening today? And then uh, the, the first G was grow. How are you growing in community and faith this week? What are you doing this week to grow uh, in your faith, to learn, and to grow in community with one another? Uh, the second G was, was give. Um, how are you giving back to the community and to each other? You know, many times we get used to just coming to church and receiving and receiving and receiving. But in reality, being part of a community is, is also serving one another. And so what does that look like within the community? How are you doing that this month? How are you serving this month? And then the final G was go. And the question was, as you go, as we go, who are we blessing? Who are we affecting in the outside world? And so, uh, you know, Jesus called us in Matthew 28 to go and to make disciples of the world. This is an optional. This is, this is Jesus' final command to us before he ascended to heaven. And at first glance, as we hear that, the first thing that pops into our mind is this picture of international missions. Like, as we go, you know, we need to go somewhere to do missions, to make disciples, to share the gospel. And, and while that is true... Many times, that going starts right here, right where we're at. Acts 1 uh, has that same command from Jesus, slightly different, and it's a lot more local. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says this to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They were to start in Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem, expand out to Judea and Samaria and to that, to the ends of the earth. And so, in many ways, mission starts here, right at home, in our neighborhood, in our hometown. And last week, we began to unpack a little bit of what that could look like. We, were, we talked about how we were called to be a blessing to those around us. And that word, bless, is the key to it. It's going to be an acronym that we're going to uh, kind of unpack over the next few weeks to help us bless those uh, who are around us. And so today, we're going to look at that first letter of the acronym, the, the B, which stands for begin with prayer. So why don't we pray? 
Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence here this morning. Lord Jesus, we welcome you here this morning. Father God, we just welcome you here with us today. Lord, as we begin to enter into your word, Lord, begin to speak to us. Allow us to hear clearly from you. Lord, let your word transform our lives. Let it transform our minds. Let it transform our hearts. Lord, any distractions that we've brought in with us, Lord, just put those aside. Give us peace and allow us to hear clearly from you today. We thank you. We worship you this morning. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You ever notice it always seems like life is getting busier and busier every year? I always seem, especially lately, running from one thing to another, from one meeting to another, from one Zoom call to another, and it's always something going on over and over and over and over again. There's a great quote uh, from the great philosopher Ferris Bueller. Uh, He said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once once in a while, you could miss it. Have you ever driven by something and noticed that it changed? Like you're driving down the street and all of a sudden it's like, you know, when did they build that? Or when did they tear that down? Or when did they, that shop, restaurant, whatever, show up here? Only to discover that it's been there for months. You just, you just never noticed it. Earlier this year I had a friend of mine, we met at the Lincoln Inn uh, downtown. He's lived in this town 40 or 50 years. And I, we were going to meet. I said, meet me at the Lincoln Inn. And I got to the Lincoln Inn, and he's usually punctual. And, and he didn't show up. And I'm waiting, waiting, and finally my phone rings. It's him, and he's like, um, I'm in front of the Lincoln Inn, but it's not there anymore. The Lincoln Inn moved during COVID to the, the banquet hall that the, the guy owned, and they closed the original shop or the original restaurant on, on Lincoln Highway. And I was like, I was like, it's over here. It's like, Two blocks over in, in the verandas, and he's like, when did they do that? I'm like, early 2020? He never noticed it. And that, that's something that happens to us all the time. We all have that experience. Things that we should have noticed, but life was moving so fast that we missed it. And the scary part about that is we can miss the people around us as well. As life is changing in their lives, we barely notice what's going on with them. The people we interact with day in and day out, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, even our family, we can completely miss what's happening with them if we don't pay attention. A few years ago, on my Facebook, a person's name popped up that it was their birthday. Someone I knew from back in Georgia. And I wished them happy birthday. Happy birthday. And then I got a reply that they had passed away two years earlier. No idea. No clue. And I was incredibly embarrassed. I felt guilty because this was one of the things I should have known, but I didn't know. If we want to be a blessing to those around us, we, we really need to start paying attention to those around us. Jesus gives us a great example of this in Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bible with you, We're going to spend the whole time here in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It should be on the screen as well. The story starts like this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Let's pause there for a second. This is one of those throwaway passages that we read. It's a transitional passage moving from one area of Scripture to another. Matthew chapter 10, in this church, we know really well. I've preached that over and over again. As you go, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy. Uh, freely as it has been given to you, freely give away. That we know. And so we look at this in chapter 9. This is that transitional piece. And, and, and while that is the case, there's something here that's incredibly important for us to get. Verse 25 gives us this, this wonderful picture of Jesus' life. And it's a busy life. It's extremely busy. He's going from town to town, teaching, pre- preaching, healing the st- sick, doing the stuff. And one can imagine that there are crowds continually around him, demanding his time as he's running from one place to another. And in moments like that, it's so easy to operate with blinders on. You know what the tasks that you need to complete are, and so you just focus on those tasks. Focus on the work. Focus on what's to be done. And you just ignore everything that's around you because there's work to be done. There's work to be done. That's not how Jesus operated. Notice what he says in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus not only saw the work that was to be done, He also saw the people around them and understood their condition. It's easy for us to see people as projects or or notches on our belt. When we focus on, 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 on social justice or doing good, people just become projects. We're trying to get them through like, a, like cogs through a machinery. We used to run a food pantry many, many years ago when we were downtown. And I remember on, on Thanksgiving, uh, the Jewel Food Store used to work with us and they would give us turkeys, big boxes, Thanksgiving dinner, turkey, frozen mashed potatoes and all the, all the dressing. And the problem was is we didn't have freezer space. So, you know, we'd get these boxes. We never knew exactly how many turkey dinners we'd get, but we knew we had to get them out. Right, Because you know, we'd get them, they'd be frozen, and they won't stay frozen forever. And so it was like, turn and burn. How quickly can we get these things out of here? And, and it turned into a machinery. It's like, you know, here's your dinner, here's your dinner, here's your dinner. Move along, move along. We can't afford things to defrost. We can get that way, can't we? We're, we know there's a project, we've got to get it done. We just move everybody along so we can get it done as efficiently and effectively as possible. Evangelism can be even worse. People become like notches in your belt. How many people can I convince to say the prayer? You know, I'll just pester them, convince them, and move along. Move along. To love our neighbors and to be a blessing to those around us, we need to see people the same way Jesus did. We need to see them. But how do we actually see them? How do we get there? We begin with prayer. Notice what Jesus tells His disciples next. Verse 37. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Okay, we thought about Jesus. Now step back for a moment and think about the disciples. Put yourself in the place of Jesus' disciples. I've got to imagine that they're not just hanging out with him and like in the background as groupies. That, that he's having them help them do logistics. Have you ever been involved in planning an event or some sort of large project that involves lots of people? Or have you ever like been involved in a play or put on a show or a performance of some sort? There's a lot of work involved in that. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things happening. And, and the people who are in the background making all that happen, it's a lot of work. Back in March, we, uh, we hosted the community-wide worship and prayer night. We drowned about 150 people in this place. We had a band that was like the Traveling Wilburys, you know, different people from different churches all leading worship. We had things happening everywhere. Now, we're a small church, you know, small in size, small in numbers. And so all hands on deck, we've got to figure out how to get this thing done. You don't, you don't realize the stuff that happens in the background. You know how important toilet paper is when 150 people come to your church? It's really important. You know how important it is to make sure that the slides work and the sounds balance and all that is working? It's really important. Cindy led the band. You know how important? She, she put together these binders, so much so that they were really impressed with all their music and they, the musicians got here and everything was there for them. It's all logistics. It's all background work. Well, Jesus is doing ministry, and there's logistics involved in this too, and the disciples are doing some of that logistic. They're helping out with him. Remember the feeding of the, the 4,000? And what does Jesus tell them? Go, go find some food for these people. Remember that? That wasn't just a throwaway line. It's a new project that needs to be done. We've got to go figure out how to feed 4,000. How are we going to do that? See, what happens is we get busy and people turn into cogs, a means to an end. We just get through this. If we can get all these people through this, we're good. And he knows that. And so Jesus tells his disciples to think differently. Notice what he says. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The English doesn't do this justice. Jesus is not telling them that there's a lot of work out there. He's telling them that the harvest is so big, so ripe, it's literally starting to die on the vine. There's urgency here. This is important. So what should they do? Now, for many of us, we would start making plans, right? We go recruiting more people or trying to find outside agencies that might be able to help with the harvest. Maybe we go get better equipment. If we have better equipment, we can do bigger harvests, right? We'd be looking for practical ways of bringing that harvest in. But he tells them something different. He tells them to pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. See, we all believe in prayer, but prayer in some ways seems very passive to us, doesn't it? You, know, you go into your quiet place and you pray. But this is a time of urgency, and a time of urgency usually means action. Yet Jesus is pointing them, and he's pointing us, to something that appears more like inaction than action. He's pointing them to prayer. 
And that's because we, we truly don't understand the importance of prayer. The foundational importance of prayer. Author Jerry Trousdale in his book, Miraculous Miracles, this is a book about what God is doing in the Muslim world, how the gospel is spreading throughout Muslim countries in the Muslim world. He, he writes this, uh, this bit about prayer. He says this, Prayer is the greatest weapon that any disciple maker can wield. And God's people are using it effectively around the world this very minute. Prayer takes that spiritual battle out of, out of the human realm and puts it fully into God's hands. And not even the powers of hell itself can stand against his mighty spirit. It is prayer that has opened the doors of mosques, torn down walls of bigotry, and broken the weapons of hatred. When God's people kneel in prayer, God's will is done on earth and it is in heaven. See, we begin with prayer because we realize that the task at hand is so much larger than anything we can imagine. We talk about wanting to change the world, but, but I don't know about you, but I realize I can't even change my neighbor's minds about the current issues of today, let alone change their hearts in regards to issues of eternity. But here's the thing, we don't have to do that. We're not the ones who change people's hearts or minds. It's the Holy Spirit who does things like that. And when we pray, we begin to join into what God is doing or wanting to do in, in other people's lives who are around us. We're not only inviting Him to transform the lives of the people around us, but here's the thing, by praying, we're actually inviting Him to transform our mind, our heart, to begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. And it's at that moment, when He transforms us, that we become the workers that He can and will send into His harvest field. I love this story because it's like bait and switch. Go pray for workers. And then in the next chapter, He goes, guess what? You're the workers. Now go. Now, truth be told, for many of us, prayer is challenging. We know it's something we're supposed to do, but we tend not to do it. And there's numerous reasons why. Prayer seems hard. Prayer seems boring. It feels like we should be doing something. My prayer life should feel different or look different. But here's the thing, to be a blessing to the people around you, you need to start by praying for the people around you. To do that, we need to be intentional. We need to be purposeful. So I'm going to give you four easy steps on how to begin with prayer. The four P's, because we're just on a roll with acronyms right now. Why not just make this the acronym summer? The first P is simple, plan. Things that are important are written on our calendars, aren't they? If there is something important in your life, it is on your calendar, it is on your phone. If you want to be intentional about setting aside time to pray, you need to plan for it. You need to decide when you want to do it. Maybe it's five minutes before you get out of bed or five minutes before you go to sleep or maybe more time during lunch or some other time. No matter when, start by setting a reminder 
Do you use a paper calendar? Write it on the calendar. Block off time. Do you use your phone? Make an alarm. Time to pray. Time to pray. And when it happens, do it. Just do it. Take that moment. Pray. Now when we talk about planning, we also need to plan a bit about who we're praying for, like who our neighbors, our friends, because we want to pray for them by name. First step is plan. Plan the time. Plan who. I have a Evernote type app on my phone that I list people's names on. I give one page per name. And so when I'm praying for people, I literally just flip through the pages. And if something happens with those people that maybe is more important than just general prayer, like their life is, there's a major life issue, I'll make a little note so that I remember that. That's how I plan time to pray is, I just flip through the people. Maybe you have a journal or a book. Good way to start. Second P, prepare. As you pray, ask God to prepare your heart for the adventure that's to come. Ask God to give you eyes to see how he's leading and the courage to actually follow him in what he's doing. Be bold. Ask him to give you divine appointments with with the people that you named or the people around you. As you pray, ask the Lord to prepare you for the work that he's doing. Remember? Ask the Lord for, for workers. Lord, prepare me for that. Third P is, called, is uh, place. As you pray... Make a mental map map of where you're going that day, right? Make a mental map. So after we're done with service here today, uh, i got to run to the grocery store because my older kids are coming over. So I need a couple of things. So we're going to run there and pick that up. We're going to have them come over. Uh, Freddie's going to be there, which usually means we'll end up at Ollie's before the, the night's over. And so in my mind, I'm thinking these are the places that I'll be today. I'll be at, at the grocery store, I'll be at home, probably going to get ice cream afterwards. Ask the Lord about those places. Lord, what are you doing at the grocery store today? Lord, how can I be sensitive to the surroundings where you're leading me today? Is there anyone there that you want to remind me of maybe today? Finally, people. Ask God to show you how to be a blessing to your neighbors, to your friends, and to your co-workers. Whoever you put on your list. As you pray, think about their faces. And then ask God to show you how you can be a blessing to them today. Now here's something I really want you to consider. By praying for them, you're already blessing them. We live in a very secular society today. And there is a strong possibility that some of the people on your list have never been prayed for in their life. Consider that for a moment. That no one has ever taken the time to pray for them. That is is an awe-inspiring thought. So, pray like you mean it. 
Pray for their physical health, their relationships, their emotional well-being, their careers, their finances. Think about how you would want to be prayed for and pray that way for someone else. Now, beginning with prayer, it's really easy to say. I can give you four easy ways to do it. We can wrap this up saying, hey, go pray, amen. Let's get lunch, we're done. And that's how people normally like services to end. Because when they end that way, there's no responsibility. But I've done enough coaching in my life to realize that, that you need to have like a two-way commitment. So, Sean, can you grab that stuff? Yeah. So we're going to do a little homework today because I'm in a mood. So let's do some homework. Shauna's going to hand everyone out a note card and a pen. These are yours. You are not turning this in. There is nothing that anyone else other than you will see. I'm stealing this idea somewhat from John. John does our men's uh, group. We meet for breakfast every now and then. And he does something very similar to this, which I think is absolutely ingenious. Um, So, first thing I want you to do I'll wait for Shauna to finish. <coughs> First thing I want you to do right now is just take a moment. Take a moment and think. Who do you know? Who do you know that really needs Jesus? Who do you know that needs Jesus right now? Maybe they've never heard of who Jesus is. Maybe they're uh, fallen away, backslid. Maybe their life is in utter shambles. We all know people like that. Who do you know? Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord recently placed on your heart? You ever have that happen? Where the Lord just puts a person on your heart and you don't know why? Could be a neighbor, could be a friend, could be a coworker. Make sure this is actually somebody who you could like have contact with. Don't say, you know, the Lord has put, you know, the 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 people of the Ukraine on my heart right now, okay? Pray for them. They need prayer. That's not for this card. Now take those people, think about three of them, if you've got more and more, and just write them, write them on the card. Write their names on the card. First name, full name, whatever. Like I said, this, these are yours. You're not turning these in. No one else will see them. I do some community work uh, with some organizations. I do it because it's my way of getting to people who aren't believers. Being a pastor, for some reason, I'm always surrounded by other believers. and When it comes time like this, it becomes very challenging to figure out who do I know that doesn't know Jesus. And so I do a lot of community work. And so recently there are a handful of people on some of the organizations that I'm involved with. Their lives are just a mess. And the Lord has given me opportunities. So they're on my list right now. They're on my list. A couple of them, if they walk into this door, man, 
I think they'd be afraid that, like, you know, the walls would fall down. I would, I would be praising God. Now, these are the people who I believe God wants to affect over the next several weeks. These are the people that the Holy Spirit is already working on. I'm not saying that because you wrote them on the card, but I'm saying that because the Holy Spirit put those people's names in your mind and your heart this morning. And these are the people that I believe God wants you to pray for over the next several weeks. But what did we say? To do that, you need to do what? You need to plan. Take a moment. Think about your daily schedule. Time you wake up, get dressed, run to work, have lunch, get home from work, get undressed, go to bed. Think about that schedule. When can you commit to pray for these people? It could be five minutes, five minutes a day. When can you commit to do this? We talk about that M, meeting Jesus daily. This is that M piece. When can you commit to do that? And Write that on the card. I will pray for these people after I wake up every morning. I'll pray for these people before I go to bed. When I go on lunch, I will spend five minutes of my lunch break and I will pray for these people. Or, or whatever time, whatever time. Write that down on the card. There's something amazing when we write things down. It's twofold. One, we tend to remember it better. The, the act of writing somehow spurs our minds and we tend to remember things better. And the second thing is, when we write things down, it's almost like a mental note that you're making a commitment to it. It's so easy to say in your mind, oh yeah, I'll pray for these people every day in the morning. And then just forget about it. But when you write it down, for some reason, it becomes real because it's facing you right there. If you want to make this really real, sign it. That makes it really real. Now, here's what I want you to do. Take these cards and put them in your purse. Put them in your wallet. Put them on your mirror or on your nightstand. Tape them to your computer. Someplace where you can see them daily to remind you to pray. John does this, something very similar to this, uh, with us, uh, in the men's group. We write uh, a couple prayer requests on a card, we throw them in a hat, and the guys randomly grab one. And he says, put it in your wallet so that when you pull out money, the card kind of comes out with it, and it, excuse me, jumps out at you, and you think, oh yeah, I'm supposed to pray for so-and-so. And you do it as you go. Put it somewhere where you'll see it while it spurs you. Then put the time that you committed to do this in your phone, on your calendar, set an alarm. Set an alarm. If we do this, if you do this, and you commit to it, the Lord is going to do something incredible in your friends' lives. The Lord is going to do something amazing. 
I've been praying for a handful of people for years. And over the last four weeks or five weeks, they're coming to me not as a friend anymore, but as a pastor. Which is blowing my mind. They're asking me faith questions. They're asking me, would I be accepted if I stepped into your church? The, the best comment I heard was, I watched one of the videos, and everyone kind of dresses like me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, don't dress up here. Well, I feel weird. I go, don't worry about it. We're weird. You'll fit right in. If you do this, if you pray for them, the Holy Spirit's going to do something in their lives. And I think you'll be amazed by it. Now, there's no telling what God really wants to do with us, what the Holy Spirit really wants to do with us. There's no telling where He wants to send us or where He might lead us. And what's interesting is many of us are moved by some of the tremendous stories we hear around the world, right? We're, removed, we're, we're, we're in awe of the, the stories of divine appointments or of miracles or of of, of, of just tremendous power encounters. We've all heard stories like this from around the world of what God is doing. But imagine what it would be like not to just hear those stories, but to live them. To actually live them. To do that, we need to begin with prayer. Let's stand and pray.